Welcome to the Man in the Mirror Bible Study Podcast. We're still in our series looking at the book of James, and next up for us is Brett Clemmer. Brett is going to be speaking to us about how to be doers of the word and not merely hearers. And so we turn it over to Brett, president of Man in the Mirror. Good morning, men. How are you doing this morning? Happy New Year, guys. It's good to see you guys back here. I know we uh, we had last week off. I hope you all had a great holidays. Um, it's uh, it's going to be a good year. I've got a good feeling about it, and it's great to see you guys here this morning. Uh, we've got a great message here. Brett Clemmer is going to be speaking on the wisdom of James and uh, giving a little bit more insight into sort of the origin story of the Man in the Mirror book that kind of started all of this. So, uh, again, thank you guys for being here this morning. Looking forward to a great message and uh, great fellowship with you guys. Leave it to Brett. All right. Good morning, guys. Yeah, clap away. That's great. I appreciate that. Hey, it is it is great to see you. Uh, welcome to the new year. Um, I love Alex's optimism about the new year. I do not share it. I think we're in for a rough ride, and uh, that's going to be great for all of us. It's going to it's going to push us to rely less on worldly things and things of uh, of uh, our bank account balances and our job security and our you know whenever whenever we have that's worldly that's temporal and it's going to focus it's going to force us to focus more on the eternal um, things and those are all that's always a good thing even though it's a painful thing to to go um to go through and you know that this book of james actually is a great um book to think about in those terms because as you look at we're we're we're, we're all the way up to verse 22 of chapter one but the whole first part of the chapter is about going through suffering and um, so those things are probably good preparations for us for the days ahead by the way i hope i'm wrong i'm not like a happy pessimist I'm more like a optimistic cynic. Is is probably more my uh, more my bet, but uh, but uh, but to- but I'll tell you what I trust in the sovereignty of God. I know I know you guys do too. So it's gonna it's gonna be a good year in many many ways, um, but it's gonna be a ride. I think so. We'll go through that together. If you have a Bible, turn to James, uh, chapter one. So we're in James, uh, James one twenty two to twenty five. So let me let me um, uh, let me read this to you. Put up on the screen here too. Let me read it to you. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. And so you, you, you think about this, this uh, uh, like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror, and you think, well, this must, this must be where man in the mirror comes from, is this passage. But if you read the passage carefully, the guy that looks in the mirror and walks away and forgets is not exactly the kind of man in the mirror that we want to be. There's there's also a, a, a poem that came out in 19, I think it was 1934 by a guy named Peter Dale Wimbro called The Man in the Glass. 
And so that's really where this popular term of the man in the mirror came from, is from this poem, uh, The Man in the Glass. And when Pat, uh, so I'll tell you the story of Man in the Mirror and, and Man in the Mirror. So Pat taught a series in the early days of the Bible study, the 24 problems that men face, and uh, realized that that could be a book. And so he'd never written a book before, and so Pat set out to write this book. And when they titled the book, they titled the book, The Man in the Mirror, because, you know, every guy has to get up in the morning and look in the mirror and decide who he is, right? So it made sense to call the book The Man in the Mirror. So he wrote the book, got all through the editing process, got it into the publisher. The book's ready. Like, it's going through the process. It's got a release date. And Michael Jackson releases his song. They had nothing to do with each other. But they came out at the same in the same year. So the, the book was already in, the song comes out, the book gets published ten, uh, six months later, and here we are, uh, however many, 33 years later, and we're still talking about it, um, about the book, The Man in the Mirror, and the song, Man in the Mirror. But that, that's, the, that's the backstory of how those things ended up happening at the same time. So uh, leaving all that aside, let's look at our um, outline for today. So we're going to talk through this passage, and we're going to talk about the first thing we're going to talk about is how to forget that you are a Christian. And then we're going to talk about um, what James's antidote for that is, which is look, persevere, remember, and do. And then finally, we'll talk about the natural man versus the blessed man. And if you remember, last time uh, we were in this um, book, uh, Tim Amayo taught us, and he talked about how the verses 19 to 21 perfectly set up 22 to 25. And, um, if you, um, and he, and he's right. So if you look at James 121, he says, therefore put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness, the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. So this is actually the thesis statement sort of for um, what's going to come in, in, this, in this passage. In fact, let me, let me show you this. I'm going to put it all together. So this is, this, is the, um, this is the passage starting with verse 21 and going to 25. And what I, one of the things I want you to notice is I've highlighted some words here. So this is, this is sort of a, a little sideline, a little Bible study tip. As you are reading your Bible, look for these words that what what are these words therefore but for for but and but what are these words anybody remember your schoolhouse rock conjunction junction what's your phone everybody's saying and that's right so these are conjunctions so what this does though is that the writer uses these as clues for you to sort of how he's structuring what he's saying so you've heard this phrase over and over again whenever you see the word therefore you got to figure out what it's there for right and so in this sense Therefore, therefore is always sort of transitioning from sort of since since this is true, therefore either do this or therefore this is true. And so this is a this is a therefore. So what's the therefore after? It's after a bunch of stuff about suffering. It's after a bunch of stuff about standing up to temptation, standing up to um, um, to worldly difficulties. And so you know you. Uh, since you're standing up to this, since the word of God, since the power of God is able to help you resist temptation, to help you stand up through suffering. Therefore, okay, so that this, this comes out of that. And so if you see this structure, 
you can see also that the therefores and the buts give us actually three sections. So we have a therefore, which is the thesis statement, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness, receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. Okay? And then we have these, these two sets of phrases, 22 to 24 and 25. But, so put away all the filthiness and rampant wickedness, but be doers of the word, and not hearers only. So you're receiving the implanted word, which is able to save your souls, but you can't just receive it and hear it and not do anything with it. You've got to not, you've got to be doers, not just hearers, he's saying. Deceit, which is deceiving yourself. All right. And so for if anyone is a hearer, and then for 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 he looks at himself, and then, and then you have another transition here, right? But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and so on. So just a, just as you're reading scripture, look at these structural cues, and it will help you organize the thinking. How many of you have read the Bible sometimes, and you're like, uh, I mean, sounds good, but I don't really get it, right? Well, we all have times like that. These, these sort of grammar clues will help you analyze a passage of scripture as you're reading it. Look for these little, these little words. I heard John Piper say once, he was really frustrated when it, when a translation of the Bible came out, that he loved the translation, but it actually left out a conjunction, a left out a therefore in the translation. And he's like, my whole sermon about that passage is about the word therefore. And they took it out of the passage. And so it shows you the importance of little words like this in helping you understand the structure of a passage and how it works. So let's look at this, at this first point then, how to forget that you are a Christian. So who is James talking to it's important for us to realize who James is talking to as he is writing this letter. So if we go back to verse 2 of chapter 1, it says, Count it all joy, what? My brothers. So who is he talking to? He's talking to believers, okay? So this is important, okay? So he's not talking to unsaved people saying, Hey, here's the stuff that you need to know so that you can follow Christ. He's talking to guys that have already that are already in the church. He's talking to us. Okay? So so the first 18 verses are about testing like I said and then the next 10 verses 19 to 28 are about living. How how do we live the Christian life? You need both. Right? You need both hearing and doing. James is saying, doing without hearing is scary. What what does it look like when somebody does something that they don't really know anything about. It's kind of chaotic, right? Some of you have worked for people like this. Uh, some of you have family members like this. They're all they're all action, but they don't really know what they're doing. And so they tend to li- leave sort of chaos and a mess in their wake. And we have this in the church too. We have people who want to who want to tell you how to do the Christian life and and who they sometimes they get caught up in in um sort of these these little false gospels or false teachings and it and because they don't really know the word of god it sounds good and so they go out and they and they live excuse me they live a certain way and so you'll see you'll see um you know people who have you know um crazy thoughts about food restrictions still or or people who don't understand that Jesus's sacrifice is is what brings salvation and they think that they have to do something and so they'll walk around 
telling everybody that, you know, that they're the way that they're behaving is keeping them out of heaven. People will add things to scripture or they will, or they will pervert scripture when they don't know it. So you have to be a hearer. You have to be a hearer. But if all you are is a hearer, you are not, and you're not actually doing it. It's all head knowledge, right? So to understand something, you can't just be told about it. You have to do it. You have to, you have to experience it. What, let me ask you this. What's an example of something that you, that you can hear about all you want, but you can't do it without practice. You can't get good at it without practice. Say that again. Walk in a tightrope. That, that's a great example, right? I'm, I'm going to riff on that for a second, Mark. So you have a tightrope. What's the purpose of walking across a tightrope? To get to the other side, right? Is it complicated? Right? You, you got a rope and you have empty space. What are you going to walk on? The rope, right? And all you got to do is get to the other side. It's simple. It's straightforward. And every single one of us in this room, most likely, I would guess, the first, we'd make it maybe two steps. Some of you young guys would run and make like five steps, but then you'd still fall off. Why? Because unless you do tightrope walking over and over and over and over again, you're going to fall when you, when you do it because you don't, you don't ha- and you want to make it even crazier. Have you guys seen these slack line guys? That's the, it's, it's a piece of webbing that goes across and it, it has huge amounts of give to it and guys will do flips and all kinds of crazy bouncing off it and stuff and they make it look so effortless but it's because they're a doer they practice it over and over and over again think about a doctor would you like to have a doctor imagine going into brain surgery and the, and the, and you say to the doctor have you done this before and he goes no but i've read all the books on it i mean i know exactly I've, I've even looked at pictures like i know you don't want a doctor like that you know, we don't want to be Christians like that either. We don't want to be Christians who know a lot of stuff about the Christian life, but we're not actually putting it into practice. So what's James' analogy for this? Well, he says it's like looking in a mirror and forgetting what you look like, right? He says to know everything about the Christian life, but not actually practice it and do it, you're actually deceiving yourself, you know? You know the words, but you don't know the music. And this is the beauty of living the Christian life, is that it's, it's like, it's not, just, it's not just lyrics. It's melody. It's harmony. Right? It's a, there's a fullness to living the Christian life that you don't get just from head knowledge. Um. And so when you and when, so when we don't walk in the Christian life, when we don't follow what the word says to do, we frankly we get out of practice. I can tell a guy who's you know you you, you probably can't too. You can tell a guy who's been a Christian for a long time, but um, they've sort of they're just sort of going through the motions. They can quote scripture at you all day long. But then they're, but then they're, you know, doing, you know, not treating their wife right, or they're not working to the best of their ability at work, or they're, you know, um, uh, watching stuff on the internet that they shouldn't watch. What's, but they, but they know all the right things. Head knowledge is not enough. You have to practice. 
the Christian life is something that we have to practice. And so what's the problem that James is trying to solve here? Well, there's a bunch of Christian brothers and sisters, I'm sure, who have been in the Christian life for a couple of decades now, and they're just they're taking it for granted. And when we when we take the Christian life for granted, this is what happens to us. We forget. We forget what the Christian life is supposed to look like. So guys, very simply, you can study the word all day long. But if you don't actually go and practice what you're learning, it won't stick. You're just deceiving yourself. So then what's what is James's sort of solution to that? And it's this it's this four sort of these four areas. And so look, persevere, remember, and do. So if you look at James 125, you see uh, this verse. He says, But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, so remember, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. So so what are these, uh, what are these words th- that we have? This look, persevere, remember, or don't be someone who forgets and do. So the first thing he says is look. And, and the, the phrase here literally means to like bend over and, and look. It's the word that's used in John 20 when, the, when, um, when Peter and John ran to the tomb and they got to the tomb and it was empty. And it says, John stooped over and looked. Imagine how intently John was looking into that tomb, right? That he'd just been told by one of the women that the tomb was empty. He was making sure the body just hadn't like fallen off the back or something. Like he was looking, he was stooping in and he was looking intently. And that's how we are to look into the word of God is to look intently. And then he says to persevere. So, um, uh, Psalm 1, 1 and 2 says this, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. So you have to persevere in the word. It's not just like, well, I just I just need to know a few verses, and then I'm going to go do it. That's like the guy that says, you know, I'm going to... I'm, I'm gonna, um, learn a little bit about football, and then I'm going to go be a professional football player. You, you have to actually study. Have you ever watched an NFL quarterback? Have you ever watched any, like uh, John Gruden used to do these interviews with, with up-and-coming college quarterbacks, and he would put the tape up, and he would say, all right, what do you see? And they'd say, oh, well, I see cover two, and, uh, you know, and I see uh, the, the outside linebackers getting ready to blitz, and, um, and so I call a couple signals, and we run a guy in motion, and we watch how the backs – the defensive backs move based on what the guy does in motion. And then I know the guy that I'm going to zero in on. And I, when I say hike, if he takes to the right, a step to the right, I'm going to throw it to this guy. And if he st- takes a step to the left, I know he's going to throw it to that guy. And I'm sitting there going, and he just says all that in like 12 seconds. He says it in 12 seconds, but you recognize he's doing it in about a second and a half in the game. And you're like, that's crazy. I didn't see any of that, right? I just saw guys lined up running around and I don't know how he knew to throw it to that guy. Well, he had 18 things that he was looking at all at once. That only comes from practice, but it comes from repetition and repetition, doing it over and over again. That's what Paul is, or what uh, David is saying here that we do. We have to meditate on it. We have to think about it. We have to study God's word, but that's only, that's only the second step. 
because now we have to um, be a doer, right? So it, inter the interesting thing here is that that um, James is James is talking about um, something that's very 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 similar to a passage that uh, that we have from Jesus. So if you have your Bible, turn to Matthew chapter seven. So this is the end of the um, Sermon on the Mount. And this is what Jesus ends with, Matthew 7, 24. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built this house on the rock. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built this house on the sand. And the rain fell and the floods came and the wind blew and beat against that house and it fell and great was the fall of it. So this is this is almost the identical same thought that James and Jesus are giving here. You have to build your life on the rock of, in this case, the rock of the word, the rock of of the what what he calls the law of liberty here in a second, which we'll talk about. But Jesus says, whoever hears these words and does them, right, gets this result. A solid life. How many of you would like to have a solid life? How many, you know, a life that's not full of, of, uh, well, the it's not full of slipperiness. It's like you like like you're not. You don't feel like you're like you're skidding on ice. You feel like you're actually standing on solid ground. The interesting thing about this passage in Matthew is is that they didn't have sand where he was. What that really was was clay. And so what have you ever have you guys ever been on like red clay? What happens when red clay gets wet? It's like it's like ice, right? The problem is you if you look at at clay when it's dry, what does it look like? It's like rock. So you have to know, you have to be you have to you have, the only way that you you have to know what you're building your house on. And so Jesus is saying in an analogy that people in his day would have completely understood what he was talking about. You know, you, it's a fool that builds his house on clay. It's a fool that it builds his house on sand because when the storm comes, it just, it just slips away. And it's a fool that builds his life on knowledge only without practice. Because when the rains come, when the winds blow in life, which is again, remember what the whole first half of the chapter is about. The whole first half of the chapter is about suffering and temptation and dealing with life's difficulties. And so... James is saying that the solution to that, the way to bear up under that is don't just know, but do. Practice, practice. All right, so look, persevere, remember, and do. But, but what, what, what are we knowing and doing? This is an interesting little phrase in here. He talks about um, the law of, the perfect law, the law of liberty. Now, these were Jews. They, they knew about the law, right? When they thought about the law, they thought about Mosaic law. And then um, we know that the Pharisees had sort of taken the Mosaic law and perverted it to their, they sort of put it to their own aims. They took a lot of things out of context. They basically, they used the religious law to prop themselves up, to keep themselves in power. They used the religious law around things like temple, like uh, sacrifices and, um, and Sabbath. And they, and they used that to keep themselves in power and actually to profit themselves. That's why Jesus turned over the tables at the temple because they had sort of used the law to create this, this, this um, system of temple taxes 
and then people would come from all over, they wouldn't have the right currency, so they'd have to change their currency. And so basically the Pharisees had set, had, had allowed money changers into the temple courts, but they were cheating the people. Well, guess who got the profits from the temple court marketplace? The chief, the, the head Pharisee's family. And the, and the, the, um, the chief Pharisee was a, fa was a family business. It was passed down. All the guys, Caiaphas and Ananias and a couple of others that you see in the New Testament, it's, it's a, it's a, it's the mafia. It's like the religious, it's like the religious mafia, you know, it's the family. And, and that incensed Jesus because that's not what the law was for. So G, so, so he gives this really interesting phrase, the law of liberty. Now, I don't know about you when you think, when I think of law, I don't, I don't really think of liberty. I think of like losing your liberty if you break it, right? And so, and so James is making a, a different statement here about the law. So what does he mean? Well, let's go to Galatians chapter five and we'll get it. We'll get a sense. So let me, let me, I'll give you a few verses. Here. So Galatians chapter five, verse one, listen to this for freedom. Christ has set us free liberty for freedom. Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. What does he mean when he says, don't submit to a yoke of slavery? Well, remember this verse in Matthew, Matthew 11, 29 and 30. Jesus says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So what's with this word yoke? Well, the yoke, and we've talked about it here before, the yoke is the sort of Every rabbi had a yoke. It was his system of understanding the law, the Old Testament, the law and the prophets. It was his set of interpretations. And so it was these yokes that the Pharisees had created that put a burden on people. You know, dumb things like you can't spit in the, in the dirt because you'll form mud on the Sabbath and that's work. You're making something on the Sabbath. So when Jesus heals the blind man in... in um, John chapter 9, the Pharisees are not upset about him healing somebody or using power to heal somebody. What they're mad about is that he spit in the ground and made mud, and so he broke the Sabbath. It's a, it's a, is that, I mean, we're like looking at it now, like that's the, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. He healed a guy. Oh yeah, but he made mud to do it, so you can't do that. It's the Sabbath, Right. And so this is not the law that we're looking for. If you are, guys, if you are living a Christian life that is so concerned with not breaking the rules that you're not understanding the love that Jesus has for you, the power that the Holy Spirit brings into your life, but you're running scared, you're, you're just afraid of doing the wrong thing, that is, you are not following the law of liberty. You are following the yoke of slavery. And Jesus spoke specifically against this. And Paul speaks specifically against this. And James, as much as he talks about action and doing, he's also speaking specifically against this. That's not the Christian life. The Christian life is following Jesus who sets us free from the law. Because the purpose of the law, the purpose of the law is to bring glory to God. The purpose of the law is to make us acceptable in God's sight because it's God's law. And so 
God looked the father looking at his people and seeing that, that we could never keep the law perfectly. Therefore, we could never bring God glory appropriately. Sends Jesus to follow the law perfectly. And then Jesus takes on the sins that we have so that the Bible says when God, when the Father looks at us, he doesn't see our righteousness. He sees Christ's righteousness. And so if you're relying on your own righteousness, the Bible says your own righteousness is like what? Filthy rags, right? But Christ's righteousness is a robe of pure white. And so when God looks at you, he does not see your righteousness, which is crappy. He sees Christ's righteousness, which is perfect. You are free, brothers and sisters. You are free, the writers are saying. Don't fall into the yoke of slavery. If you go down to um, verse 13 of Galatians 5, you see this. For you were called to freedom, brothers. You were called to freedom. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. So this is the, this is the doing. This is the living out of the Christian life. It's a, it's a law of liberty. It's a perfect law but it's a law of liberty and not a law of slavery. Um, All right, so, oops. Well, ignore the middle uh, of that. Um, So then, so then what is the, what is the sort of the result of all this? And the result of all this is, is the blessed man, the natural man, you know, the natural man sort of forgets what he looks like. The natural man um, forgets what the word says. He, the natural man, or, or he knows what the word says, but he forgets how to actually do it. And in fact, and in, in the worst case, the natural man, a, a non-believing natural man, just thinks that the word of God is folly, right? But a but a believer um, who just who who just looks in the mirror, and walks away, and forgets. A believer who knows the the word of God, but doesn't actually live it out. That's the natural man. The blessed man is the man who who's a hearer and a doer. So that's, this is our big idea. Be a hearer and a doer of the word. And you will never forget how to walk in God's grace. So practically speaking, what are some, what are the results? Uh, in, in James 1, uh, James in this passage in verse 25, at the end of it, he says, the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty and perseveres, being no hero who forgets, but a do of her acts, he will be blessed in his doing. Well, what are you blessed with? You're already saved, right? This is not like, oh, you're going to be blessed with salvation. This is, this is to people that are already saved. So what's the blessing that a Christian gets when he's a doer of the word, not just a hearer of the word? Well, I think the first thing you get is you get solid ground to stand on. You know, you, you don't, you're not, you don't have to, sort of listen to everything that's going on in the world pulling you one way or the other. You've got solid ground to stand on, so stand on it. That's a blessing. I think you get authenticity instead of hypocrisy. When you are just a, when you just know the word but you don't live it out, you're a hypocrite. You're saying one thing and you're doing another. And what's the I, I think if you look around, one of the things that that uh, hurts 
not just Christians, but really everybody in the culture now is this whole idea that a lot of people like to tell a lot of other people what to do, but they don't do it themselves, right? That's not the Christian life. The Christian life is saying, we've got a better way and you can talk all you want, but what I really want you to do is I want you to watch me. You know, when you are a, when you, when you uh, uh, give a testimony, when you witness to somebody, you are not giving them words. You're giving them your life. You're saying, you're saying, I've seen this. I've experienced this. And I want to share that with you. But you can look at my life and you can see the fruit of that. It's a life of authenticity. I think it brings us relationships, not just knowledge. Because when you're doing, when you're doing um, what the Bible says, not just knowing it, but actually doing it, it drives us into brotherhood. You know, it drives us into relationship. And then finally, in a very practical sense, it gives us a better life. Look at, we're going to go back to Galatians 5 and look at these, look at, look at the difference. Verse 22, this is the fruit of the spirit. This is, this is not, excuse me, this is not something you're trying to live up to. The fruits of the spirit are not something that you're living up to. The fruits of the Spirit are the, are the outcome of living the Christian life. And this is what the outcome is. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. That's the outcome of living the Christian life. What's the outcome of not living the Christian life? Sexual immorality, impurity, verse 19, verse 20, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger rivalries, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. Sounds like culture, right? But when we, when we do the Christian life, the blessing that we get are these, the, these things that, that really define the life that we all want to have. Love, joy, peace, patience, gentleness, goodness, kindness, self-control. That's the life. That's the blessing of being a doer of the word. So once again, the big idea, be a hearer and a doer of the word. And you will never forget how to walk in God's grace. Let's pray. Father, we're grateful for your word. We know that it is the, um, it is the good news that saves us. It is, the, it is the word of God inspired by the Holy Spirit. So Lord, help us to not just be scholars. Help us to not just be uh, knowledge acquirers. But Lord, help us to be men who live out our faith, who, who, who walk in the freedom that comes from following Jesus, Lord, who are caught up in um, worldly ways, Lord, but we're also not caught up in um, misguided attempts to please you by our, by our goodness or our righteousness, Lord, but that we rest completely, completely in the law of liberty, Lord, of, in, the, in the freedom that comes from following Jesus, who already has been righteous on our behalf and whose righteousness you see when you look at us. Lord, we want to be lights in this world. We don't want to be hypocrites. We don't want to be wooden, cardboard cutouts of Christians, Lord. We want to be alive. And um, we want to hear the music, not just know the words. So that's what I pray for all of us, Lord, in the days ahead. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us today. 
You can find the Man in the Mirror Bible Study wherever you listen to podcasts, as well as on our YouTube page. If you have found this helpful, please subscribe, give us a five-star rating, and share the podcast with friends. Since 1986, Man in the Mirror has been teaching the Bible, helping us reflect deeply as men and apply God's truth to our lives. This Bible study is recorded in front of a live audience every Friday morning outside of Orlando, Florida. If you need help navigating your life or leading other men, please go to maninthemirror.org and check out our vast library of Bible study videos, blogs, and articles on Christian growth and leadership. There are plenty of resources you can use to grow in your faith and help others grow too. At maninthemirror.org, you will find books written just for men, helpful materials for your church's ministry to men, and even a potential career in men's discipleship. If you're a man personally struggling in life or you need help in discipling men, please send us an email at biblestudy at maninthemirror.org and let us know how we can help.